Uh, good morning. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you very much for an opportunity to come and be part of what God is doing here at Central. Uh, <clears throat> like uh, Pastor Quintin has just mentioned, my name is Christian Rustov, and I come from Hamaskral in the village called Stengvater. And it is a great pleasure for me to finally to be here and to fellowship with you. It's not for the first time I'm fellowshipping here, uh, but I appreciate this moment because I arrived in Stengvater village nine years ago. And when I arrived in Stengvater, I was told the stories and the testimonies of what God has been doing in that particular village through Central Baptist Church. Uh, that particular church in that particular village, it was planted there uh, in 1992. After many years of service in that particular village and outreaches by the members of this particular church. So there has been many men who have served in that village before I arrived in 2012, and then I've had testimony on how Central Baptist Church has been used by God in Stengvater Village. And I'm happy that uh, it is not just being pioneering and starting a work in Stengvater. Even currently, this church is behind the ministry in Hamaskral. They are praying and supporting us. And for that, we are grateful. And <clears throat> as I stand in front of you here, I'm already feeling at home. So if I get too excited and I start speaking in Tswana or Tsonga, uh, blame it on your hospitality because you are already making me to feel at home. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, without waste of time, I just want to share with you the word of God from the book of James. I will be reading only one verse in, in James, and I just want to talk about being a servant. James chapter 1, I'm only going to read the first verse. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are in dispersion, greetings. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. This passage of scripture that I have read it is taken from the epistle of James, like I've said. And one of the reasons that James was uh, written is for us to understand and attain spiritual maturity. Verse 14 of the first chapter said, Let steadfastness have its full effects, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Which can also be paraphrased that it may be found that we become people of mature character, people of integrity with no weak spot. Spiritual growth and maturity is a mission of a lifetime. It is not everyone who grows up who is matured. There is a difference between a person who is advancing in age and a person who is maturing. It is an ideal thing that when a person gets older, that they will also become mature. But ideal is not always the picture of reality. In life, we are confronted 
with problems and challenges. And some of those challenges are unavoidable. Some of those problems are self-inflicted. But these problems, the way we respond to them, they will definitely tell if we are those kind of people who have matured in faith or we are just people who have advanced in our age. And my prayer is that this morning, as we look in this particular book of James, we will be able to assess assess our position. We will be able to assess our standpoint and be able to ask God to help us that we will be able to respond to the events of this life in a way that shows our Christian maturity and also in a way that is glorifying to God. This morning as we begin, I want us to look at who is this particular James that we are quoting or we are talking about this morning. And there are a few candidates that are presented or that we find in the New Testament. And the first candidate is James, the son of Zebedee and the brother of John. He was the fisherman who was called by Jesus when you look in, John, in Matthew chapter 4. Together with his brother John, they were nicknamed sons of thunder because of their impulsiveness and impulsive character. He was killed around AD 44 by Herod. And the second candidate, a person who is also called James, is James, the son of Alphaeus. He was an apostle, and very little is known about him. There is no indication that this James wrote this particular epistle. The third candidate is James, the father of Judas, the apostle. He is even more obscure because only a reference about him is Luke chapter 6. And the fourth candidate is James, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the most likely candidate for the authorship of this epistle that I've just read this morning. Even though he humbly introduced himself as the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ in chapter 1, verse 1. According to Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, Jesus had a brother who was named James. This James did not believe in Jesus during Jesus' earthly ministry, but after the resurrection and appearance of Jesus, he became a disciple. He eventually became one of the leaders in the church in Jerusalem. When Peter, wrote, when Peter was released from prison, he sent a special message to, uh, to James and other leaders in Jerusalem. He also played an important role in the conference that uh, was in Jerusalem that appears in Acts chapter 15. And when Paul visited Jerusalem, he also brought greetings to James. For this reason, it will also be justifiable for me to ask what kind of a person was this James if indeed he's the one who wrote this particular epistle. He must have been a very spiritual man for him to become a leader of the church in Jerusalem after his conversion. Tradition and history tells us that he was a man of prayer. This also explains the emphasis that we see in this epistle, emphasis on prayer. It was said that he prayed so much that his knees were as hard as those of a camel. 
Again, tradition and history tells us that he was also martyred around A.D. 62. He was cast down from the top of the temple and beaten to death. And as he died, he also said one of the most familiar words where he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And uh, we are going to focus on the first part of verse 1 in chapter 1 in our message this morning. But I thought it would be proper also to look whom did James write this epistle to. Uh, The second part of verse 1 says, James wrote this epistle to the scattered, those who were scattered abroad. He wrote this epistle to the Christian Jewish who were living outside Palestine. And these Christians, like all of us today, where they were living, it was not a walk in the park. They were not uh, in a place where like, they are having a time of their lives. They also faced some challenges. Some of them were facing trials, and James is writing to them so that they can respond in a matured and God-glorifying way. Some of them were facing temptation to sin, like the rest of the people that they were living among in the places that they were. Some of them were also becoming uh, complacent by just hearing the truth and knowing about the truth, but not showing any actions that match the knowledge that they have about the Scripture. Some of these believers were scattered all over. They were also falling into the temptation of being favorable to those who are well-resourced and rich. And sometimes those who were well-resourced and rich, they were also falling into the temptation of exploiting and oppressing those who were vulnerable. The sad part is that there were others who were also in the fellowship of believers where they were praying. They were also falling into the temptation of contesting and fighting for positions in the house of prayer. The use of tongue was also another problem that these believers were experiencing. Others were also bringing the patterns and way of living that is found out in the world and bringing it into the house of the Lord. Others were also even straying and moving away from the faith because of the influence that they find themselves living in. So James, when he sat down and writes this particular epistle, he was responding and trying to encourage the believers that regardless of the challenges that you are facing wherever you are, may the Lord help you to be able to continue to be a faithful servant who will respond to those challenges in a way that is glorifying to God, in a way that shows that you have matured in your faith. I'm going to focus on the first part where James only says, I'm James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It is also very interesting to note that even though James was related to the Lord Jesus Christ, he just introduced himself as simple as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps it's a case of being humble, but also Paul describes himself in the same way. So did Peter, Jude, and I believe many other writers in the New Testament. But the question that we ask ourselves is that why these men refer to themselves as servant? When you look at the original language of the scripture, when the thought that was communicated when this term was used, it simply means a slave. And you might ask yourself, why do they prefer to choose to call themselves the slaves? And why should we also, as believers, we may also prefer to call ourselves the servants of the Lord Jesus Christ? In our lesson today, this morning from the book of James, I just want to attempt in a few minutes to make some observation and try to explain the concept of being a servant from the first portion of verse 1 in James chapter 1. And one of the things that I want us to observe this morning is that being a servant, it is something that we as believers, we are all called to be. We are all called to be servants. Jesus, during his earthly ministry, he rebuked the Pharisees because they were always aspiring to be served rather than to serve. And we remember that the Lord Jesus Christ, one time he took a basin and he washed the feet of his disciples. And then the message behind that, he encouraged his disciples that those who want to lead, they must first become the servant of those that uh, they are leading. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord Jesus Christ also mentioned that he also did not came in this world to be served, but to serve and to give life, his life as ransom for many. And even for us as believers and as Christians, we are indeed called to serve. We are called to serve our God as he is our creator and the creator of everything that exists. We are called to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our savior and our only mediator between us and God. The Bible challenges us also to be the servants of righteousness, even though we live in a fallen world. The Bible goes ahead even to challenge us that we should serve one another. As believers, we are called to serve. The early Christians, they also called themselves the servants because that is what and who they were. It was not just a religious title. It was a noun or a word that was derived from the actions that were evident in their lives. 
People who were around them, they will be able. They, they were looking at them, and they will see the community of people who claim to love God, who care for one another, who serve one another, who also care for the world, and who are giving themselves to serve the needs of those who are vulnerable around them. As believers, we are called to be servants, so we can understand why James will prefer, rather than pulling the ranks and say, you know what, I'm the younger brother or the older brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. He preferred to be called a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, the next thing is that being a servant has some sign of spiritual maturity. When a baby is born, most of the time of the things that happens around them, they get to be served Everything that happens to them, somebody is helping them. And sometimes they grow to be overattached to uh, the, the atmosphere of having everything being done for them. But you'll, uh, you'll realize that immediately they grow and mature. They get excited about the, the idea of being able to initiate certain things and do certain things for themselves. Sometimes even being able to help other people. And that's a sign that this child, it is now evolving and maturing. The older we become as believers, not only physically, the more concerned we become other, about other people, the less concerned we become about ourselves because we look and see the need around us and we cannot ignore what is happening because we are so self-consumed and looking at ourselves. A person who is mature cannot remain to be self-serving and selfish. The person who is maturing in their spiritual work and in their faith will always be characterized by the edge of wanting to be involved and serving others. The next thing is that uh, being a servant has also some spiritual implication. And one of those implications is that a person who is a servant will also be obedient. They will not only be obedient because they are oppressed. They will be obedient because they have a relationship with their master. And there is a mutual understanding that because this one is my master, now I have to obey him. A servant who understands what it has cost his master for his salvation. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that we have been bought with the price. If you could understand the price that God has paid for us, you will understand that saving him it is not even an inch of a repayment to what he has already done for us. So when a servant obeys his master, he is not obeying him because he's been lord over and being oppressed. He's serving him out of gratitude because of what his master has already done for him. So being a servant will also compel one to be obedient. And that is exactly what Jesus was confronting the Elisha says, why will you call me Lord and Lord if you do not do what I tell you to do? 
He even cautioned that it is not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And then here is a distinguishing feature. He says, only those who do the will of the Father who is in heaven. In other words, he said, only those who obey God, not only those who hear the message, who hear the truth and do nothing about it. Those who obey, they are real servants who are qualified and appreciated by the master. And the second implication of being a servant is not only being obedient, but is also being humble, having an absolute humility to the one who is your master and who is also your commander. When we have a very good understanding of who we are, we will also be able to humble ourselves with the understanding of who God is, who Jesus is, who our master is. The Bible tells us of Apostle Paul, who have written many books in the New Testament, more than any other writers in the New Testament, who also claimed that he has worked harder than any other. But listen to this. Paul, he also says, he's the least of all the apostles. He says he's the least of all the saints. He says he's foremost of all sinners. This is the man who has the credential that allows him to go around and say, I have achieved this. This is what I've accomplished. But like his words in the scripture, he says, he's turning that all to ashes and to nothing so that he can glory in Christ by humbling himself and allowing Christ to shine in his life. A real servant of God, ladies and gentlemen, will not only be a person who obeys the master, but will also be a person who's able to say, I humble myself so that God will be glorified in my life. The third implication of being a servant is that a servant will also be loyal. Again, will not be loyal because they've run out of options. They will not be loyal just because maybe there are no other things that they can be loyal to. A real servant will be loyal to the one who has loved them. They will be loyal out of love because the one they are loving, the Bible says, he has loved us first while we were still sinners. So a real servant will portray and display loyalty to his master, to the one who has loved him. Our gain and our preference should be, not be the important things when we are obeying our master, humbling ourselves before him and becoming loyal to him. We cannot claim to be serving the Lord Jesus Christ and then complain about doing his will. We cannot claim to be serving the Lord Jesus Christ and then become negligent and sloppy about doing his will. A real servant will be the one who will be absolute obedient to his master, who will be absolute humble to his commander, and loyal to the one who has loved him first. Ladies and gentlemen, it does not necessarily mean the alternatives are not there. They are there, but unfortunately they are not appealing. If you are not 
serving the Lord Jesus Christ, by default, you are serving the mission of Satan. And the service to Satan, it is not a service that ends very well. If you are committed to live this life serving him, the end of it, you will not get appreciation for your commitment. It will be gnashing and regrets if you live that kind of life. That is why by the grace of God, God has offered us salvation that when we come to salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, that he will forgive all our sins and offer us an opportunity to enter a life of service and serving our master, the only Lord Jesus Christ. As believers and children of God, we are called to become servants. Being a servant, as a believer, it is a great honor. There are great men and women of old who have become obedient, loyal, and humble servants of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 27, Moses, when praying for the forgiveness of the Israelites, he made reference to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as being the servants of God. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 53, Solomon, in his prayer of dedication of the temple and blessing of God's people, he made reference to Moses as the servant of God also. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 29, at the end of the ministry and leadership of Joshua, it is mentioned in that short obituary at the end of that book that Joshua was also a servant of God. In Numbers chapter 14, we read about Caleb, who is known for his faith and trust in God. His descendants were blessed for his extraordinary faith. He is also referred to as a servant of God. In Job chapter 1 verse 8, Job was also called a servant by God himself. Even though Satan doubted and was also questioning the motives of Job's service to God, he was proved to be wrong at the end. Because this man and many others who appeared in scriptures they have demonstrated that the motives of their service to God was gratitude for the salvation that God has given them. They were serving with absolute obedience to their God. They were serving with humility and total loyalty to God, not because they wanted to earn some stars, because they were already grateful for what God has already done for them. This morning, ladies and gentlemen, may I make an appeal to us as the body of Christ that just like James, may we prefer to be called in this world the servants of the Lord Jesus Christ so that people who are around us, they will see the good news or the good deeds that we are doing. And when they see the good acts that we are doing, they will not only be applauding us, but they will be able to see our Father who is in heaven, who is enabling us to be able to do what we are doing and start glorifying him. May the Lord open our eyes to be able to look around us 
and be able to see the opportunity to become the servants of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord present each and every one of us with those opportunities in our homes, in our communities, in our churches, and in the world as a whole. Even during these difficult times of COVID-19, may the Lord open our eyes because there are a lot of people out there in our communities of because of this particular situation who have lost their jobs, others have lost their businesses, others have lost their livelihood. Ladies and gentlemen, others have even lost their loved ones. Let that be an opportunity that the Lord is presenting to us as his church to be able to look and say, Lord, I may not be able to do everything, but the little that I'm able to do, help me to be able to do it faithfully and courageously so that people will know that regardless of the situation that they are, face, they are facing, there is still God. Ladies and gentlemen, even all the spiritual gifts that are given to believers in the church, there is not even a single gift that is given to believers so that they can self-certify or they can serve themselves. Gifts are given in the church so that people will serve right in the body of believers and also out in the world. In the context where I am as a child and youth care workers, it is our prayer that all the time that the Lord will present opportunities to believers so that they can open their house, foster children and adopt children who might also be looking for families and homes that they can belong to. Even if you may not be able to do that, may the Lord strengthen those who are able to be able to speak on behalf of these ones who cannot speak for themselves. May the Lord raise men and women who will come alongside and mentor and encourage younger people and children so that they will also aspire for greater things, not only for greater things of this world, but they will also aspire to be followers of Christ. May the Lord raise men and women who will offer their skills to serve so that children will not only be attracted by the worldly things, but they will also be attracted and inspired by the good things that are God-glorifying. There are also institutions and families that are already doing a work in making sure that they serve those who are vulnerable in our communities. In a village where I'm staying in Stengvater, most of the young people in that particular village, immediately when they complete and finish school, you find that they are left with very few options to explore. And most of them, unfortunately, they end up, you know, experimenting with drugs and being involved in criminal activities. Because most of the time they will say, you know what? Most of the people who are successful in this community, we know that they sell drugs or maybe they are doing criminal activities. That is why we will desire that God will raise an army of believers who will be demonstrating good works, not so that people will applaud them, but so that people will see Christ and be able to take informed decisions, especially younger ones, when they have to take decisions in the future. And it is my prayer this morning that as a church, that the Lord will help us to be able to step in the gap, to be able to fill 
the needs that are there. We may not be able to do everything, but the little thing that the Lord is helping you to do, may you be able to go out there and do them. As you go out to serve God, as you go out to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and serve other people, you are bearing the fruits of spiritual maturity and you are bringing glory to your Creator. And the same way as James describes himself as the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can also say, I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ for his glory and for his kingdom's sake. Let's close our eyes. We just want to humble ourselves this morning and we want to thank you, Lord, for the privilege and the opportunity of being part of your family, of being saved by you, Heavenly Father. We want to thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to serve you. And we just want to pray for each and every one of us who are gathered here in the service this morning, that, Lord, if there are good things that we have been doing, help us, O God, that we may not lose heart, that we'll continue to do them. If there are any of us, Lord, who might have been at the point where we're about to throw the towel, give us strength, Lord, that we may continue to serve in this world and in your house, so that, Lord, the world will be able to know you and be able to see you. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you open opportunities for us as the church to be able to serve, not only in our community as believers, but also in the world. And as we serve, Lord, let it be an opportunity that those who do not know you as Lord and Savior, that they'll start knowing you and have a relationship with you. We want to thank you, Lord, for what you are already doing. And we want to thank you, Lord, also for the opportunity of being part of that. We pray for all this, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.